It's the Not So Bon Voyage podcast, episode 57. And on today's episode, we've got a Voyager chat, where we chat with our good friend and fellow travel blogger Lucy about her crazy travels in Cambodia, such as this story. I think, honestly, he saved my life because he, as I flew over his head, he grabbed my arm and pulled me back. My back hit the windscreen, and I literally felt the windscreen crack against my back. Let's get into it. And then the train got lost. How does the train get lost when it's on rails? I just want to get out there in the wild. Well, it was in the itinerary. I mean, adventure, it's calling. Ladies and gentlemen, it's been excellent. Ahoy! G'day, Voyagers. G'day. Did you miss us? Yeah, we took a week off. We took our very first week off on the podcast in 57 episodes and almost a year of podcasting. That was our first week. And you know what? I really missed it. I missed it too, actually, but I'm not going to lie. It was kind of nice to have a weekend off. It was. It was the Labor Day weekend in the United States, and I think we actually did the opposite. We had like an anti-Labor Day because we didn't work. Are you supposed to work on Labor Day? Why is it called Labor Day? I don't know. Isn't Labor? I mean, it's to do with work, isn't it? I guess. I don't know. I've never looked it up. I'll look it up and report back. Yes. Well, we took the week off and it was nice. We hope you didn't miss us. We did post on our Instagram and our social feeds that we have a very special bonus episode up on the Patreon page, which is notsobonvoyage.com slash Patreon. If you really did miss us and you want to come support the show and get some extra bonuses, but otherwise we're back now. Oh, yeah. Bone it up, guys. Bonus, bonus, bonus. Oh, bonus, baby. (laughs) And today we're going to just, we're not going to fluff about. We're going to get straight into it because we have an amazing Voyager chat. We're back with the Voyager chats with our friend Lucy. Yeah, we're really excited about this chat because this is an actual friend of ours. We have been traveling with her. We met her on the road and she is also a fellow travel blogger. So she has some crazy stories for us today. Yes, she's taking us to Cambodia. We are just living vicariously through her travel and her travel stories at the moment because we are in the other sea, which is California, and it is shit right now. (laughs) Yeah, we're dealing with a lot of fires, so it's not the best, but things will get better, guys. Yes, a lot of seas, a lot of fires in California and a lot of coronavirus. And uh, yeah, shout out. Christine. And a lot of Christines. They're giving me headaches as well. (laughs) Uh, Obviously, a massive shout out to everybody who is dealing with the fires at the moment. Obviously, our situation right now being trapped indoors with bad air quality is nothing compared to the people who are battling those fires. So we wish them and all the people battling those fires as well and helping out the firefighters all the best of luck and we're sending our love and hopefully things get better in California. Yeah, shout out to all the first responders. You guys are the heroes. You guys are killing it. And so without further ado, let's get into our Voyager chat because it is a doozy. Let's do it. Hey there, Voyagers. We are here with Lucy Ruthnam, aka Absolutely Lucy, the solo female adventure travel blogger. On her blog, she writes about travel as well as wellness, positivity, mental health, and so much more. Lucy is also a personal friend of ours who we met while traveling, and we can't wait to tell you guys about some of the adventures we've been on together. Thanks so much for coming on and talking to us today, Lucy. Let's kick off today's episode with you telling the Voyagers a little bit about yourself and your travels. Okay. Hi, everyone. Um, So I am Lucy, and I'm from the UK originally. Um, I've spent the last six years traveling um, solo pretty much most of the time, um, and I started out in Southeast Asia, traveled around Australia, through Europe. Um, I've just recently been in Central America and almost South America before lockdown started. Um, <laughs> I write all about my adventures on my blog, absolutelylucy.com. And as Christine said, yeah, I also touch on quite a lot of other topics, things like 
um, sustainability and mental health and loads of other things um, all over on the blog. Some things that we need right now during, you know, when we're not traveling, some positivity and maybe some mental health tips, I'm, I'm assuming. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely, yeah. yeah. <laughs> trying to find them myself at this point in time. <laughs> <laughs> we're all struggling. Yeah. We're all trying. But yeah, that's awesome. I love that you are such an open book on your blog and social media. Like you talk about, you know, so many of your own experiences and how other people can work on their mental health and wellness. And it's just cool to see somebody who's really open and honest about those kind of issues, especially as a travel blogger, because sometimes travel bloggers can just be like, everything is wonderful. And I'm on vacation all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so it's good to have that balance. That's something also that I always loved about you guys is that you're so sort of real and just, you know, normal travelers and I always really hated seeing on things like Instagram how um, shiny and perfect everything was. And I was like, travel is not like that. (laughs) Travel's a mess. Like, (laughs) it's everything going wrong and it's embarrassing and it's awkward and it's it's very, very messy at times. So I was like, I want to, I like showing that side of it. Absolutely. I mean, that's why we made this podcast to show people the other side of travel when everything goes wrong and things are crazy. And, and we have definitely heard some stories of when things went wrong. And that's exactly. what we're going to talk about today with you. But before we jump into those, we're going to jump into our not so fab five rapid questions just to get warmed up, get us started. And we're going to kick off the first one with asking you, what is the worst thing that you've ever eaten on your travels? It was probably the the meat that turned me vegetarian. Oh, that'll do it. Wow, that's a good uh, advertisement <laughs> for bad ve- meat. That's a great advertisement for vegetarians. Yeah. it's the meat that will take you off trail. <laughs> honestly, well, I mean, we've probably all had our questionable meat ex- experiences when traveling around Asia, but that was something else altogether. So, yeah. Oh God, I, it was honestly horrible. Do you know what sort of meat it was? I well, it was supposed to be chicken. I'll tell you that much, but I could not tell you what it was. And I could not tell you whether it was cooked. Um, after that, I'd already been thinking about turning veggie for a very long time. And um, I think actually that might have been not long after I met you guys or around just before that time, somewhere around there. And yeah, after that, I was like, no, that's uh, definitely going veggie now. <laughs> Oof, that's rough. Did you actually bite into it or did you just take one look I, at it? No, like, no, no I, I pulled it out. Luckily, I um, sort of was eat. I was about to eat it and I pulled um, whatever it was out on the fork and because it, it was like in a curry, so you couldn't see it at first. And I pulled out a bit and I just saw like the skin of it and it was glistening and it was, yeah, it's like, I don't know. It was just so rank. I was like, I can't eat that. And I was like, after that sight of it, every time I, because yeah, you know, when you walk around the markets and you see um, all the meat sizzling on the grills and stuff like that, I was like, anytime I saw that, I just had a flashback to that moment when I pulled it out of the curry. I was like, no. Oh, wow. Well, you see that part of the market before it's hit the grill and you see the actual meat markets where it's all chopped up and yeah. laying around and there's. Oh, I remember this market in Pisco, Peru, where we actually met back in the day, and there just used to be pieces of meat hanging, and dogs would come up and chew on the ends of them, and oh, like flies no. and weird. <laughs> and you walk through that market; that's enough to turn you vegetarian. Like that's disgusting for life. Yeah. The yeah. flies as well, like when there's just constantly flies crawling all over it, and they're just swatting it away. And I'm like, they're literally going to serve that up to you in your next meal, like. Ugh. No, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> vegetarian is the way to go. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay, what has been your least favorite country you visited? I know this is a very controversial question. It is a very controversial question. I've it had a lot of for yeah. saying this as well. Like, I, 
without a doubt, Cambodia is my least favourite country. And um, we are probably going to cover a whole lot of reasons why in this podcast today. But um, it's, yeah, I have had a lot of flack for saying that in the past because I've, I've written quite a lot about my experiences when I was over there and um, had quite a lot of people sort of being quite angry that I'd said that. But I don't, I feel like it's important to be really honest about places when you visit. My experiences aren't necessarily everybody's. I know a lot of people who had the opposite experiences to me. But yeah, I think it's important to show every side of the story. Mm-hmm. I think that's Absolutely. that's a really good um, diplomatic answer. And that, I think that's pretty much the answer that we have as well, is that, you know, it is you shouldn't sort of throw shade on a country based on your personal experiences, but it's okay to have those, you know, like they're your experiences. So at the end of the day, they're going to be, they're the formative views that you're gathering on that country. And so if that's how you feel about a country, that's how you feel about it. Like everybody's got a different opinion. So I think it's, you know, it's okay to say, as long as you frame it like that, I think that's the important thing. As long as you don't say, I hate this country because of this. Uh, As long as, you know, you say, I didn't have a great time. This is my least favorite because of these reasons. I think people just want an opportunity to, Get mad at Get people, mad on, at the people internet. on the internet. Absolutely. You know? <laughs> totally. yeah. I mean, I feel like we say sometimes when people ask our least favorite countries, we almost put Cambodia up there. And not even for I any like usually real, say Cambodia. <laughs> not yeah. even for any really bad personal experience, just because I don't know. Just I mean, it's not a bad country and we had good days and we had bad days just like every other place we've traveled. But coming from Thailand, where we just loved it so much and the food was incredible, lots of great vegetarian food and just great experiences to go to Cambodia was like just not our favorite place. So and that's okay. Everybody can have favorites. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Well, on a least uh, controversial note, then, what is the most overrated landmark or attraction that you visited while traveling? This one you can go to town on now. You can be yeah. like, this place fucking <laughs> sucked. Honestly, there's, there's so many. It's almost yes. hard to Tell choose. Tell us all of them. <laughs> I think, you know what? Things like um, the Eiffel Tower, that is a huge one. I'm like, it's shiny, mm-hmm. it's tacky. I'm sorry, but they're making like, those little, those little like statue things. Somebody yeah. actually bought me one of those as a gift once. And I was like, why do I want this? Why would I want this piece of hat? Like, it's terrible. But I think a lot of ones like that, like in, in London has a lot of them. And I think things like um, Big Ben, I think. I knew you were going to say Big Ben. <laughs> I'm sorry. I feel like we're supposed to be proud of it. Most of the time I've ever seen it, it's covered in scaffolding anyway. So why is it one of the top rated things to see, you know? Um, but there's the same thing all over the world. But I think it's always, a lot of the time, it's these really like sort of tacky, um manufactured things for me I'm like the ones that the things that I really love to see is things like the nature or the really historical old things that have such a story to them so anything that's really like new and shiny I'm just like let's uh, just get it away from me but what about in 300 years time then Big Ben will be historic we still have the historic that. scaffolding <laughs> and everyone will go to see it is it ever that's not scaff- under construction oh my god no it's it's so hideous at the moment as well like honestly I saw pictures of it the other day and I was like I swear like before I went traveling it was under scaffolding and it's still under scaffolding and it's like six years later I've wow. seen it twice, <laughs> at multiple years apart, and it's been, uh, uh, yeah, it has scaffolding yeah. on it. Yeah. Honestly, so I don't know I what they're the doing to the clock. I think the scaffolding is holding the building up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah at now, this point, it will crumble. The then yeah. will fall. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> We've had the Eiffel Tower quite a lot of times. I feel like that is definitely 
the winner at the moment. I think we've I think had so. at least four people or five really people. don't like that. I just feel like I see it in so many like Instagram pictures, and it's always these girls who are like posing in front of the Eiffel Tower, like you know, with a, with a pizza, or they're doing the romantic thing with their fella. And I'm just like, I'm sorry, I just don't find that that romantic. I don't, I just don't see it as something that's I should swoon over. That's just cool. a big hunk of metal behind yeah. them. <laughs> it literally looks like a crane. <laughs> they had to totally. Photoshop all the people in the background who were selling this little souvenir ones oh, out, yeah. of, out of the back. They had to clear the area. So Trying annoying. to get rid of all the like pickpockets as well. Like, nah, that's just, I don't know, not my thing. <laughs> yeah, I feel fair you. enough. Okay, what is the worst place you've ever slept on your travels? Oh, I think probably on the beach because like, that just the sand gets everywhere so it doesn't matter where you actually are there's just nothing great about sleeping on the beach um other than that I think all the long overnight bus rides and things like that oh my god they're so uncomfortable and I did sleep on a train once that the um I was it just felt like I was on a shelf there was like no padding, no barely any mattress. And honestly, the gap between it, I literally had about that that far between <laughs> me and the bed above me. I was like so claustrophobic. It it's was like horrible. a coffin. <laughs> yeah, it was too much. I think the sand, sleeping on the beach sounds really good. It's such a romanticized concept, especially traveling. <laughs> we're going to go out, we're going to hike out to this really secluded beach and sleep on the beach. It's like, no, it sucks. <laughs> yeah, no, it's so itchy afterwards, like it's sand everywhere, especially when it's in your hair. Like, Christine, you've got long hair, so you'll know that feeling. Like, it's horrible, isn't it? Well, have yes. you seen this hair lately? Oh, this is long true. Hair. Yeah. it out. Yeah, it's pretty, it's a lot it's longer since to you last saw it. Yeah. Lockdown hair. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay, and the last one is something that we have. Have we had? In, oh no, we have had some people admit to it, but some people I think are holding back. Uh, have you ever pooped your pants while traveling? Honestly, I think if you haven't pooped your pants when you're traveling, you haven't been traveling. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Honestly, what are you even I just, doing? I spent like a month in Guatemala, and I don't think I've ever been as sick as I was when I was there. But it was still the best, one of the best countries I've ever traveled to. But Oh my lord! <laughs> oh god! Street wow. food or water? Or what, I mean, it could be a number of things. What it do you could, think? Yeah, I couldn't even be sure because the the night that I got it, it was literally like I had it within an hour of I'd eaten some food off the street street food stalls, and because I was vegetarian as well, you never know how long some of that stuff's been left out. It was a bit yeah, could have. But then I was also drinking drinks, and they had ice in them, and normally like you know you're hoping that that ice is okay but you never know it could have been anything really but yeah like basically me and everyone in my dorm all got sick the same night so whatever it was it was something we all had when we were out and yeah it was not great being in a dorm of six with one bathroom oh my god Take and then a ticket, the next day yeah the next up. day we had a 12-hour bus ride ahead of us which was uh, grim. that sounds <laughs> yeah. brutal so, yeah. Straight off the bus, straight to a new pants store. Yeah, All of you. Never, <laughs> never make eye contact with anyone ever again. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But you still loved Guatemala even after that oh, experience? Oh, still one of the best places I've ever been in my life, I think. Yeah. Even yeah. with that, I feel like, you know what? Things like food poisoning and getting sick when you're traveling, it always happens. You can't control it. You can't predict it. But you just got to make the best of it, and sometimes it can end up bringing you quite cl- a lot closer with the people you're with because you have no choice but to either be friends or never speak to each other again after that. Yes, <laughs> absolutely, it's those, bonding. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. and those. <laughs> well, you guys stories. should know about that, didn't you? Yeah. Be interested, didn't you? <laughs> it definitely bonded us very yeah. early on, having to share a bathroom <laughs> while traveling. <laughs> <laughs> and those are the stories that you can look back on that 
you know, there are there are obviously stories that happen to you that are quite, you know, can be quite traumatizing things like that but those those little ones those uncomfortable ones the things that are you know being sick and that you often look back at those and they give you a, a sense of like real adventure and they make you feel like you had a story to bring out of there and you're like oh remember when that happened and then you like catch up with that person and exactly. you go over it again like exactly. oh, i remember how sick we were at the time it feels terrible obviously yeah but, but then when you so look back funny afterwards I'm yeah. like, can you imagine if you went traveling and everything went perfectly, how boring it would be. We wouldn't have like, a you podcast. Would, you wouldn't, no, <laughs> you wouldn't have a podcast. You wouldn't meet any of the awesome people you stumble across when you when things go wrong and you wouldn't have those friendships and you wouldn't, um, you know, find the randomly secret cool places that, that aren't on Instagram because nobody knows about them. You wouldn't eat at those tiny little food stalls that you find because you're just desperately hungry. Like, I just think there's mm-hmm. so many things that wouldn't happen if you if things didn't go wrong. Absolutely. That's what we always say. And it's those stories when things don't go right. Those are the ones you like bring home and tell your friends and family over the dinner table. And they're like enraptured in what you're saying. It's like, holy moly, you survived that. And it's like, yes, I did. I survived that. That's what makes you a real traveler. I mean, hey, we we survived the uh, potential serial killer tattoo uh, artist down in (laughs) Copenhagen. So I don't think I don't think we've even told the the voyagers this story before. But so we met Lucy in Thailand in 2015, like March, early, something like that, probably. Along yeah. with two no, other it was, friends. It was February, wasn't Might it? Be February. Yeah, it was pretty we early. The, we went to the. It was like around Valentine's that we went to the half moon party. Oh, okay. How yeah, romantic! Yeah. <laughs> and, and then we had uh, we had quite a few wild nights i know we keep this we don't keep this uh podcast pg but there's probably still a few things we probably won't detail on the podcast <laughs> from, from the, from the week uh, but we did cap off what was a very memorable and bonding experience between the five of us so uh, lucy christine myself and two others with a very spontaneous bamboo tattoo down at some random tattoo store where the guy was definitely either had just escaped from prison or was wanted for murder <laughs> He definitely had no expression on his face. He was not friendly. He looked like a serial killer. He was uh, so grumpy. Do you remember when we forced him to smile for a photo? And yes. He was like he was going to grab a pickaxe and just kill us or something. Yes. yes. And so we all got a matching half moon tattoo. Yeah. We'll post it on our Instagram so you guys can see. But yeah, yes. there are five of us that have the same matching uh, moon tattoo. It's great. Good times. It. <laughs> yeah. Still one of my absolute favorites. I always get yes. people asking me about that tattoo and I'm like, oh, me so too. many memories. Yeah. People think that Jules and I just have like a matching couple tattoo and we had to be like, no, yeah. no, no. There's three other people and here's the story and it's yeah. the whole thing. And yeah. And then we catch yeah. up with Gabe sometimes who is someone who's one of the people with the other tattoos and he's with his friends and they'll, and then they'll, this has happened multiple times. He'll be introducing us and they'll go, oh, they're the moon people. And we're like, yeah, yeah, that's us. We're the moon people. And then we have the classic moment where both Gabe and I like pull our sock down because we have ours on our ankle and Christine shows the arm and they're like, oh, you're you're moon people friends. (laughs) Oh, I love that. So it's definitely definitely very memorable. (laughs) Good times. We're all scattered so far across the world from each other. It's nice. It's like we're always bonded. Yeah. yeah, bonded by the power of the moon. Yes, the half moon party. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so times. now that we're on the topic of Southeast Asia, I know some of your stories take us there today. Some of you are not so bon voyages. So let's paint the picture for the voyages. What were you up to in Southeast Asia? What went wrong? Give us the deets. Okay. Well, um, I had only just started traveling for the first time ever solo by this point. Um, I started off in Thailand and had an so is awesome that when we time met you? 
that, that was, was your yeah. first solo literally trip? I've, I've been traveling for a couple of weeks at the point when I met you guys and that oh. was my first ever solo trip like I know I think maybe it was like two months or so yeah probably about that but yeah I'd literally mm. and you were not only the first ever real life travel bloggers that I met who became my travel blogger friends but you were some of my first like solo traveling friends as well Whoa, awesome. that's so crazy. I didn't so, realize that was your first trip doing that. That's yeah. awesome. Anytime when I traveled before, then I'd always had like a friend or like family or something with me. So yeah, it was one hell of an adventure. I think that might have been Gabe's first trip. Yeah, as I think well. so. Yeah, I think because it was. And yeah. I think that might have been one of his first stops as well because he came into our dorm. I was like, we've just rented a scooter, a complete stranger. Yeah. Like, we just rented a scooter. Do you want to come explore with us? And he's like, uh, okay. Like, I just got to <laughs> give, me, give, me, give me a sec. And I was like, cool. And then that's. That's yeah. how it started. Yeah. yeah I love it. And that's how basically when I met, so when I met Lily, who's the other person who has a moon tattoo, I just literally, she was staying in my hostel with me in Phuket. So it was literally, I think, days after I met you guys, I met her in my hostel. She was only going to be there for one night. So we went for dinner. Um, completely loved each other's a bit straight away. So we made a plan. We were like, I invited her because then you guys invited me to go to the half moon party with you. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, hey, Lily, do you want to come to the half moon party? And then we all reunited and became a little gang. The rest is history. The rest is history, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So that was the good things so, that happened. <laughs> yeah, there were so, so many good things that happened. I had an absolute blast and I traveled um, all over Thailand and then I went down through Laos. And then, um, so I had spent a pretty wild time in Laos. I'm not going to lie. I wasn't that cultured when I was there. I was mm-hmm. pretty much backpacker on tour, um, had a very fun time. And then was I, when I was leaving, um, I had to say goodbye to my friends because a lot of them were either, I was on a bit of a time limit because my visa for Vietnam had specific dates. So I had to rush on a bus there um, on a bit of a, well actually it was like the hangover from hell um uh, <laughs> been there yeah it was terrible and I was honestly I was just like half dead at this point you know the um, worst thing about that is is that you you never want to travel hungover but whenever you leave your friends while traveling it's always the last night exactly. so you always want to you always caught in this dilemma where you want to go have a massive massive night as a send-off and you exactly. know in your head you're like I know I have to get up at 6 a.m. to get this bus and you're still out at 4 o'clock in the morning and you're like, what the fuck am I doing? Yeah. I'm going to be so ratchet. I'm going to be drunk half the trip. Yeah. But, but you still do it. Like, you know that if you go to sleep at that point, you're going to miss your bus. So you're like, I've got to just stay up and just keep going. Like, yeah. 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 So it was, Absolutely. It was not ideal traveling home circumstances anyway. And I was facing the 22, I think it's 22, um, hour journey from the NTN down to Hanoi, which is a long ass bus journey anyway. And I'd already heard it was a bit of a dodgy border crossing, not ideal. Um, so yeah, we I hopped on this bus. I was all by myself um, and I was hoping to just try and sleep for the next 22 hours mm. and just wake up when I was there. Um, so yeah, we got to the border crossing and Honestly, it was the creepiest border crossing I've ever done in my life. And I've done a lot of them now. Um, It was completely misty. So you couldn't even see. So we had to get off the bus and then walk to the border crossing. And I couldn't see anything because the fog was so thick. And then as we started getting closer, we could see these like figures in the mist. And at this point, like I was kind of on, you know, very bare minimum chatting terms with the people on my bus because I've been half asleep for most of the journey. Um, 
And then all these armed guards walk through the mist. And I just like, there was a Canadian guy next to me. I just grabbed his wrist and was like, oh my God, we're going to die. <laughs> like, I'm not going to live through this. <laughs> but, um, yeah, luckily they ignored us and we just carried on and like, yeah, it was fine. They got, the border crossing was actually fine in the end, but it was, um, yeah, just very creepy, to be honest. Yeah, sounds and, creepy. So then, yeah, we got back on the bus and it was all fine and we were heading on the way. And I think we still had the majority of the journey to go. And we, I just remember like I, I was in and out of sleep most of the time and we were on this big coach and at the front were the people who were sort of the locals and at the back there was like all the travellers. We kind of all sat together, a bunch of people from all over. The main people I remember are the two Canadian guys because um, I'd spoken to them the most. Um, but yeah, we were all just asleep basically. And going along this highway, I don't really remember, I couldn't see what it looked like because it was pitch black outside, but it was just really dark and we were going really fast. And I mean, you guys know what the roads are like in Asia. You don't even want to look out the window, to be honest, do you? So I kind of was And the drivers really, are pretty like, erratic sometimes as well. Yeah, like it's stressful. It really is. And um, so I was just trying to ignore the driving and just sleep and put my, take my mind off it. Next thing I know, I um, suddenly the the whole coach, I was half asleep and the whole coach just sort of like lurched to one side and then it lurched back the other way. But it was so violent that one of the guys sort of started sliding out of his seat. He was in the middle oh seat. And he was like sliding down the aisle. <laughs> um, Slip and slide. And then, like we just didn't know what was going on. It happened so quickly that the bus was so violent. And then suddenly we swung back the other way and um, crashed at full speed. We must have been going at like, I think about probably about 80 miles an hour, something like that. Wow. And we crashed into the back of a lorry. Now, at the time, we didn't know what happened. It happened so fast, and um, we were going at such speed, and Far we were all out. asleep. Um, but yeah, we hit the back of this lorry, and then I think the, the guy kind of like just slowed down, basically. And we were just all in total shock; like we couldn't believe what had just happened. Luckily, everyone was okay. Um, very luckily, I think somebody had like a cut ankle or something from where they'd slide because we all went sliding out of our seats like it was yeah ridiculous do you think the first um, swerve was like him trying to avoid something on the road or yeah so well no so what actually what we found out had happened he was asleep at the wheel oh um, yeah he so, was doing oh. your tricks he was doing the right he was doing the I, half asleep That's I right. think it was just us who were having enough in the back he was going <laughs> for it too no wow. so even, even worse than that we found when so the bus came to a complete standstill and we had to sort of make our way up the front of the bus, I don't even know how the driver was alive because the front of the bus was so smashed up, like wow. crushed in, smashed up. Damn. Um, Jesus. And we got down there and we had to like climb, jump from one of the side windows to get out. And so luckily I grabbed like my backpack and like, you know, all my stuff basically because I'm not leaving it here. Yeah. As I was going down to where we were climbing out of the bus, I looked down. The driver's seat was surrounded by vodka bottles. God knows what else. Like there was so much alcohol there. Like I would have been, I would have been unconscious, let alone him. And he was smaller than me. Like he was tiny, this scrawny little um, guy. 
Wow. And, yeah. That's it, honestly, so scary. I would have just grabbed they, the bottle on the way out and be like, I need this now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right? No, they, they were all empty. <laughs> He'd been having a big old party down there. It was ridiculous. So, Jesus. Yeah, he'd obviously been steaming and just fell asleep because it's such a long journey anyway. Like, even if you weren't drunk, it's a hell of a long journey to drive that far. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he was drunk, fell asleep, and I think he woke up just in time and he tried to, I think what the first swerve was, he, he was trying to swerve out of the way of the bus and it started to tip mm. and then swerve back into the lorry. But yeah, thank God we didn't tip over because I feel like the damage would have been way worse if we tip, if we tipped at that speed. God, Definitely. Wow. Um, but yeah, so we climbed out of the um, bus and we were standing on the side of the highway. And I just remember saying to one of the Canadian guys, I was like, I feel like I've seen a movie about this. Like, this is not <laughs> yeah this is not good you know we're on the side of a vietnamese highway um you know after our bus has crashed like standing out here in the middle of the night i was like i feel like this is a, either a horror movie or it's going to be like random vietnamese bandits showing up or something right that's <laughs> pretty scary yeah so when we were standing there the next thing i know the um uh so apparently somebody had called the police or something and we were just waiting to see what was going to happen and the next thing we know, the bus driver has jumped back in the bus and he's driving off with the bus. Oh, my God. The bus oh, which still has go. everyone's Bye. bags in it. So luckily, I have my little backpack, which had my, you know, my passport, my valuables and stuff. But everyone's big backpacks were on the bus. And most people had left their, you know, small bag with their stuff in it, their valuables. They carry on. Yeah, so all the passports, everything's still in the bus and he's just driving away with it. Oh my gosh. We were like, what the hell is going on? And then, yeah, so we kind of were like, we're freaking out, obviously. But um, luckily, some people were quick thinking. We managed to flag down a taxi um, who we told him what had happened. He drove like with a couple of the guys to drive and like stop the guy, stop like pin him in so he couldn't drive off. And we got a few others to help. Lucky the locals who were there, like honestly, they were so great and so helpful because without them, we would have lost all of our stuff. Basically. Damn, almost trying to do a hit and run. That's crazy yeah. with a big bus. He's just like, bye. Smashed up like, bus. <laughs> how are you going to hide this ginormous smashed in bus? Like, what? Right? He's just quick yeah. thinking. He's just, he's already he's still drunk. So he's like, fuck, I've got to get this out of here. Yeah. Exactly. He's like, I got to go. Like, the police are so bad over there, I guess, that maybe it was just the better option. But, um, yeah, so then we would, we would, got back to the bus and luckily managed to get all of our bags off and we were, yeah, sort of standing on the highway. The bus driver, oh, my God, he was kicking off. He was not happy with us. And, like, there was one point, he was standing about that far away from me shouting in my face in, in Vietnamese. Wow. And I was like, dude, I don't know what you're saying. But get <laughs> away from my face. Like, <laughs> Honestly. Oh my god! Yeah. What's he angry at you for? Yeah. One, right. he's crashed the bus. Two, he's tried to nick all your stuff. I'd be saying fuck you to him. <laughs> right. I was fuming, honestly. But you know, I was just like, how? I I was at this point just thinking, how are we going to get to Hanoi? Because where are we right now? I was like, <laughs> my my phone because we crossed the um, border. My phone wasn't working. The SIM card wasn't working anymore. So I was like, I couldn't even see where we were. Like I didn't, you know. That's so scary. So yeah, we were just kind of, we were stood there for a bit and then luckily managed to because there were other guys who'd been working on the bus. So we we forced them. We said you need to get us a bus. You need to get the rest of us to Hanoi because you know you can't just leave us on the highway. Like what yeah. is this? Right. Um, so yeah, you pay for a bus ticket. It doesn't yeah. mean it's voided if the bus crashes. I still right. would like to get to my destination if <laughs> yeah. possible. It was just, it was just such an insane situation. Like I, I couldn't believe that that had actually, like, it's one of those that I kind of 
forget how insane it is until I tell the story and then I'm like does that really happen right but yeah we eventually we did manage to get put back onto a bus um and it was um I'm sure you guys will have seen them too when you have those night buses where there's like one level of beds on the bottom and then there's the next level mm-hmm. yeah um yeah so there was like that but they had three levels of beds um already and then in, we were basically laying in the aisles wow I don't know how long of the journey because because of the time we'd done so far and then all the so the time wasted because we were on that side of that highway for hours like it was hours before this all got sorted um but basically this 22 hour journey turned into a 50 hour journey Oof. by the time I got to Hanoi oh my god I can't imagine horrible. you would want to be you'd be very comfortable even if you're on one of those beds for the remainder of the trip because I feel like you know you've just been in a bus crash and then you've got to yeah. get back on another bus so you'd be thinking okay uh pretty much can't relax I'm on edge now yeah I was so stressed out because you know what they're like especially when they're on the horn the whole time and it's shifting like this all the time when we were laying in the aisles, like the aisle, I mean, sorry, but my body is like, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not huge. And like the aisle was smaller than my body. So it's <laughs> like, Ooh. how am I supposed to lay here? And I've got someone's feet in my face and like. Uh, horrible. Oh my God. So awful. Yeah. Wow. I think that was- thank goodness you survived though that could have been much worse because like i we've been on those overnight buses before and in southeast asia and it is just like whatever happens is gonna happen like you just have to just you know let that you just take a surrender your life right you get in one of them you have no control and yeah we've been in the ones where you're laying down and it feels like you're going at warp speed like through space yeah. it's the weirdest feeling but you're like i there's not i have no control over this yeah. like i have to just let whatever's exactly. gonna happen happen but that's really scary yeah mm. i feel like you have to be like that though i think that's one of the things in asia like everyone talks about the bus rides and the, especially the overnight buses and stuff like that there's always talk about them anyway before you even go to asia but that you have no choice because there is no unless you're going to fly everywhere in between like there or get some sort of like private transport there is no other way to do it so right you just have to give you give yourself up to it and hope for the best every time you get on one <laughs> yeah, exactly absolutely but that wasn't the end of your bad luck was it <laughs> no <laughs> no that was the beginning <laughs> okay so your next story takes you to cambodia Yes, that's right. So I, right. I carried on favorite traveling. country, Your favorite yeah. country. Everybody knows. Lucy <laughs> loves Cambodia. Honestly, Cambodia was like one of the. It, Cambodia is still to this day. That's after six years now, and it's still the worst traveling experiences I've ever had in my life. Like, it was one of those. I feel like. Um, I feel like when you're a traveler, you kind of um, get to a certain point and it's almost like your luck runs out a little bit and suddenly everything starts going wrong and maybe, I don't know, the adrenaline starts wearing off and you're suddenly like, oh my God, traveling's really hard. Like, <laughs> 100%. The novelty all, wears off. <laughs> yeah. And this was definitely when that happened. And I think like I was still a little bit shaken up from the crash in Vietnam. And then I sort of traveled through Vietnam really quickly because of my visa um and then I got to Cambodia and I basically was I was on a bus with a girl who was one of my friends um and then she had to get off somewhere before I did I carried on and um I was starting my time there in Phnom Penh 
which was fine actually like I'd had lots of warnings about Phnom Penh and about like pickpockets and thieves and like just generally it being a bit of a dodgy environment I was like actually Phnom Penh was my favorite place that I was in Vietnam um, in Cambodia sorry mm-hmm. um and then after that I decided I was going to go to I don't ever know how you say it but I think it's Sinukville Sinukville something yeah. like Sinukville, that yeah. yeah it's like Sinukville. a jumping off point for the Sam Luen Islands absolutely mm-hmm. yeah for Karang yeah Karang Sam Luen yeah so yeah, I went I went down there and I thought, okay, I've done I'd sort of just done all the really really intense stuff in Phnom Penh, like S twenty one at the prison and the killing fields, and I was like, I kind of need to just go somewhere and just be on a beach and just relax yeah. a little bit. That's that's um, understandable for anybody who's unfamiliar. That's uh, Cambodia has a terrible history of genocide and the Pol Pot regime, and there's a lot of that history is in Phnom Penh, which is the capital. It's very heavy. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. super you can heavy. go to like, the museums and where they actually perform the genocide and it's horrible it's horrible yeah. it's, it's very, it gets, literally i'm getting goosebumps now as we're talking about it like yeah it, yeah it's really it's, intense it's a very interesting tourist experience it's kind of i, I guess I, I imagine it's quite similar to going to something like auschwitz or, mm-hmm. or something like that yeah. um it's like obviously a very important um thing in history to remember and, and to learn from but it's also like yeah super intense mm-hmm. yeah i feel like it's one of those places that i honestly feel like everyone should go as bad as my experiences have been in Cambodia, I feel like it's so important for people to go to places like that and mm-hmm. to because we don't learn any of that history. You don't learn anything about that when you're growing right. up or when you're at school. And I'm like, that's the kind of stuff that happened, what, like, well, when I was there, it was like 30, 30 40 years ago, something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, like, the country's still having such aftershocks from mm-hmm. um, what happened, which probably maybe even is one of the influencing factors for all the stuff that happened to me. You know, it's, yeah. Honestly, so, that... For when when we come to when we explain Cambodia, we, we often almost feel a little bit bad saying that because they've had such like they have their whole culture has been decimated. Like they literally the whole point of it, not to get too off track, but like was to des like to take out the whole intellectual property. So all the culture and the history and all that sort of stuff took such a big hit. Mm-hmm. So the cuisine and all that sort of stuff. And so it's taken them such a long time to rebuild from that. So I do feel sometimes a little bit bad saying that Cambodia wasn't the most favorite of our countries, mm-hmm. but. That's just, I guess, how it is, you know. Yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. I feel like I, I feel the same. Like it's, it's really, it's a really difficult thing, isn't it? Trying to find that balance between, and just, and sort of completely slating a place, mm-hmm. which is like I never want to ever slate any country because I think all your, your experiences are very subjective, and you know, somebody could have gone um, a day later than me and had a completely different experience. And I know so many people who have gone to Cambodia and had the best time of their lives. Mm. And I, I just didn't have that, which yeah. you know, that's okay. And like you guys yeah. didn't have that. So I think it's, right. yeah, you've got to be honest about it. So you're in but Sinukville. Yeah. So I went to Sinukville, um, didn't arrive under the greatest circumstances. So I when uh, when I got the bus there and then I arrived really late at night, which I'm, I'm still a little bit annoyed at myself for doing because that's always one of my rules being a solo female traveler is that I always try to make sure that I don't arrive somewhere late at night because mm-hmm. yep. I feel like, that's when the dodgiest stuff happens and it can also really color the way that you feel about a place if you arrive and it, you feel a bit on edge I think it can change the experience you have when you're there so yeah my bus arrived quite late and then the second I got off the bus I I didn't have anyone that I was friends with on the bus I was just there by myself and the second I got off obviously I was a huge target for all of the locals who were trying to put me in their tuk-tuk or whatever and there was this one guy who um, was a motorbike taxi. Like the tuk-tuks there with 
trying to charge me ridiculous prices. So I jumped on this motorbike taxi with this guy. And I don't know why I did it because I wasn't, I didn't really want to. I, he was very pushy and I just didn't get a good vibe from him. But I was like, it's not far. Like I know I did, I knew where I had to go to my hostel. It wasn't that far away. Um, and I thought, surely this is, you know, it'll be over quickly. Um, so yeah, I jumped on the motorbike and had, you know, my big backpack and my small backpack. And I don't even, still to this day, I don't even understand how it was happening because it all happened so quickly. But I caught the guy trying to steal money from one of my bags. Mm. So, and like by this point, I'd had a really long journey and I was just really pissed off, to be honest. <laughs> I was really tired and I was really hangry. Oh, and no, you like, don't. <laughs> uh, uh, do not do this right now, boy. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I made him pull over the motorbike. And um, I was, and I just demanded he give me the money back. I was like, I caught you doing that. I was like, look, fair enough if you want to try and steal from me. That's you know, but you didn't get away with it. Give me my money back. It was only like it was like fifty US or something, so it wasn't much. But I was just like, just the the principle of it for me. Oh, of I was like, come oh, yeah. on, mate. And you caught like, me at a very bad time, sir. Yeah, I was <laughs> like, don't even try and get me when I'm slightly hormonal. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so no, he just like, and he was like trying to like he was trying to get Aggie towards me, and I was just like, honest, wasn't on my best behavior. I took the motorbike helmet off, and I literally just smashed around the head with it, and I was like, <laughs> do not steal from me, and then I just. I literally picked up my bags and I just walked off. I left him with the money because I was like, you know what? Have my money, but have a bruise to go with it. And That's it awesome. Money. Very um, good. That's hilarious. Luckily, we weren't too far away from the hostel. So I had to walk down a very dark road to get there. Um, but yeah, everything was fine. I got to the hostel. It's probably a good, um, you said at the start, like, you know, I, I didn't have a great feeling about it. And we, we speak to so many people who talk about their instincts and their travel instincts. And I think that's a good, obviously, like in hindsight, you can kick yourself now for getting on it. But I think that that's a really good lesson that we learn a lot of times from our stories is that, you know, if something doesn't feel right, it's usually not right. And that we, we have these instincts for a reason. And we've had a few stories that have reminded us that it just remind me of like, just go with your instincts when you're traveling. Yeah, trust your gut. Trust your gut. It's the most important thing you can do. And I think especially if you're a woman traveling by yourself, it's, it's triply important like to do Mm -hmm. that. And I think because I was still, I mean, I was still like, you know, very new to traveling solo. Like, and I think because I'd always been fine everything had gone my way the whole way around so far these were like the first sort of challenges I had so there was certain things like that where I feel like to be honest like I wouldn't do that now like I don't have I don't ever go on motorbike taxis now ever since that night I don't do that at all because I feel like as well that's another thing that it's just a little bit too intimate for my liking Um, and you're just a little bit too close to the person I feel like in a tuk-tuk you're a bit you're a bit there's a bit more boundary set kind of thing mm-hmm. um so i think there's yeah you live in it's also a bit easier too. to bail out of a tuk-tuk than a motorcycle like exactly. a motorcycle can True. duck off to small side streets like really easily and get through exactly. traffic whereas a tuk-tuk can get held up in traffic it can't you know you, you can, can kind of jump off. from it it's, exactly you've got all so, your stuff in the back of it as well yeah mm-hmm. and i think it's very much like um I, I do always very much stick with that now that like i try not to arrive in a place now late at night and i do always just if you get in a situation like that, like I was literally crowded with people who were trying to put me in their tuk-tuk or whatever else. And I was just like, if you get in that situation, just walk away from them all. Like, I, yeah, mm-hmm. I should have done it then. But I think I was just so tired. I was like, oh, I just want to get to my hostel. But like, yeah. your safety comes first. It's much more important. 
That's a good travel takeaway as well to try to schedule your trips to arrive during the day. I think that's a really important one as well because, and I think you said it really good before when you said your like interpretation of a place can really be different depending on how you see it, whether it's in the night or the day. Mm. And yeah, showing up during the day, it just gives you so many more options if you get yourself into a sticky situation, whereas at night there's less people around. You, you just don't know your surroundings. I think that's a really good a really good tip as well for the voyages to take away. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. But, um, so was that it though? Was that the end? Okay, so that was the end of your bad time. <laughs> <so was that? laughs> I wish. No, I then, got right. to the, I then got to the hostel and within seconds the power went out. Uh, so they couldn't check me in. They couldn't do anything. The um, doors because uh, this is actually like quite a quite a modern hostel for that area and um, they had like all the doors were like powered electrically and stuff so even some of the doors you can get through so oh wow, wow. that's pretty modern to, like, yeah i feel like that's modern for cambodia well. just your luck as well yeah yeah so i like i couldn't get into go to i couldn't like go to the bathroom i couldn't go for a shower um i couldn't like get to the dorm i couldn't get checked in like, i was just i was so pissed off by this point like it was just not going the way that you wanted it to at all but Luckily, that was it for that day. And I did end up having like the next sort of week or so was really, really great. Um, I went to Korong and sort of explored over there, had a good time. Beautiful over there. Um, It was beautiful. um, But my legs did get absolutely bitten to hell by the sand flies. Oh, no. It was so painful. Yeah. Um, But yeah, really lovely over there. And then I came back to Sanukville and I had heard about um, Otras Beach. And mm-hmm. I was like, that just sounds lovely, like really nice, really sort of bit hippie, but kind of just chilled out on the beach. I was like, that's that's what I want to do for a few days. Um, and I met this girl who, so she's a Russian girl that I met in the hostel in Snookville. And so we're still friends now and we ended up meeting up again. Um, so we met in Cambodia, but we ended up meeting up again randomly in Sandorini several years later. Oh, nice. I always love. Um, but yeah, so we we've been hanging out and we've been out for like dinner and stuff. And then I told her the next day I was going to go over to Otras Beach and she was like, Oh, maybe I'll come with you. You know, um, I'll just come for the day. And then, cause I was planning to stay down there for a few days, but she thought she'll come for the day, hang out at the beach and then come back. Um, so yeah, we got, we went down there, had the loveliest day, um, drinking coconuts on the beach and just chilling out. And then we, she was about to head back. So we, um, got a tuk-tuk we hailed one on the little it wasn't even a street it was a dirt road um to take her back and it's not a very long journey at all um so she yeah we said our goodbye she jumped in the tuk-tuk and I sort of waved her off and she'd literally just gone round the corner out of my sight and I turned around and started walking back because the place I was staying was just over here so I started walking back down towards the beach and then the next thing I know she is screaming and running towards me, tears running down her face. I was just like, what the hell has happened? Like, it had been minutes since I last saw oh my her. my God. And she was hysterical. Like, she couldn't even get her words out. But basically, what had happened was the second that they rounded that corner, um, some random guy had jumped in the back of the tuk-tuk with her and basically tried to rape her. Oh, my God. And she she had literally jumped out of a moving tuk-tuk. And, like, as I say, it was dirt road. Like, it was gravel. It was, you know, she was literally all up her arms and legs were all just scraped to bits, like, bleeding. And, obviously, she was so freaked out and so upset. And we, were, I was just like, oh, my God. It's terrifying. <sighs> Damn. So Horrible. scary. Like, luckily, she'd been just there and she'd, had, you know, reacted quick enough to get away while she was still safe enough to do it. 
um so yeah it was horrible and so I um, luckily so a woman who worked on one of the bars there she saw what had happened so she came running over to check if we were okay and we told her what had happened and she was like god you've got to be so careful you like apparently it was it was an issue around those parts wow. I've heard nothing about this literally nobody no traveler had ever mentioned this to me that's nothing so scary um yeah so it was I mean it was okay and then she we I managed to calm her down a bit and um managed to get her into a tuk-tuk that this lady recommended she had a friend who she knew who owned one so she got um them to take her back so she was safe and stuff but yeah it was just really scary yeah one of those things you don't even really think about and then yeah 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 that's traumatic so was that was that so was that a a sign that you should leave Cambodia (laughs) yeah definitely um so yeah so, after so that, that surely I, that was the end of your bad luck then was it <laughs> was only so there was that was it there was no more okay so you made no. it back home and you left Cambodia <laughs> and you said goodbye no so I decided um I was there for a few more days and then I decided I was very done with Snookville and um so yeah I went back to Snookville and then I was gonna do a bus to Siem Reap and I was really, really excited to go there because I'd heard that even though like I, I normally am not as keen on the more touristy places, the fact that I'd heard it was more touristy at this point, I was desperate for. I was like, I just can't wait. Because I think one of, the, one of the issues that I haven't really mentioned is that when I came to Cambodia, um, it coincided with, um, oh God, I can't remember the name of it, the, the water festival that happens up in oh, Thailand. Yeah, Songkran. Everyone yes, would have been it. in Thailand, yeah. Yeah, so I didn't I didn't know about Songkran, basically, before I was over there. And so all of my friends when I've been in, like, Laos and Vietnam were all going up the opposite way. And I was like, I've just been there. I was like, I can't go back around. And then, yeah, so I carried on through Cambodia, which um, well, I, I imagine didn't it realize. would have been a ghost town because yeah, so was, many people go to Thailand for yeah. that. It was so quiet and I, I just thought, I didn't know much about Songkran, so I kind of thought, oh, surely there's still going to be plenty of people travelling, like, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think because of that, that was definitely one of the things that I think throughout all of this made made the people who were in Cambodia bigger targets, basically, mm, um, for any bad sense. stuff that was happening. That does so, make sense, yeah. Yeah, it was just bad timing. But, you know, um, so, yeah, I kind of decided I was like, oh, I'm going to go to Simreap. I was like, can't wait to get there because I I knew some people who were going to be up there around the same time. And, yeah, so I was just like, can't wait to get there. Book this bus, which the bus had to go um, from Sunukville back to Phnom Penh. And then you get on another one to Simreap. Um, so we left and um, I don't think we'd even been going for more than a couple of hours. And we were just on this road. It's just in the middle of nowhere, nothing but sort of dust and dirt either side of it. And I was on this little minibus and I had very specifically chosen this minibus company because they came the highest rated for like safety. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I was very, very conscious of making this decision and like doing my research before I booked it. So, yeah, I was on it and everything was going fine. Although I was the only person on there who wasn't Cambodian um so I didn't really get chatting to anybody I just kind of plugged my music in and was just you know ignoring the roads you as usual there was no seat belts in this at all so it was yeah not too bad though I have to say the driver was the driver was very good and I wasn't too stressed out in it um but we we're going along this road and there was a 
lorry that was driving um, on the other side of the road. Which is a truck for anybody. A truck, sorry. Yeah, I always forget that. That's for our American listeners. For our American listeners. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> yeah, so this huge truck was driving towards us on the other side of the road. Now, I wasn't looking at what was happening. And then I just happened to look up and because there was a guy who was sitting in front of me in the front seat next to the driver. And I looked up because he was, I don't know what he was saying in Cambodian, but it sounded a bit like panicked. And he was gesturing out to this truck. And I just looked up and this truck was driving across the road straight towards us. Ooh. Yeah. And and we were just like, honestly, we were just like screaming at the driver. And luckily he saw what was happening and he, he reacted as best he could under the circumstances. Like from from what I'm guessing, maybe the driver on the other side of the road had fallen asleep or something. I've heard that things like that are quite common in Cambodia. They just Mm -hmm. don't really seem to have the same, I don't know, attitudes to driving that we Mm do. Um, So yeah, I I don't know what happened. But I think the the driver in the truck sort of brought himself, I know, woke himself up or something just in time and started to swerve away. So if, if our driver hadn't have swerved we might might have just been okay i don't know it, yeah it's wow. probably not what's probably not something you want to risk though yeah, like if you're yeah. a, if you're I mean, in a it's small hard to say. yeah if you're in a small minibus and you go head on with a big truck like <laughs> you're going to come off a lot worse so yeah, yeah exactly i was like i'm glad he got us out of the way but his um what he did was he swerved us really hard to the right and then as he got to that point, he suddenly saw, oh, my God, there's a there's a giant ditch thing there, which is just, you know, water, basically. So he swerved back the other way. So we went behind oh the truck across the road at high wow. speed, with loads of other vehicles flying towards us. And we hit the ditch on the other side. Um, so we went straight into this ditch at high speed and um, hit the water and everything. And honestly, the speed, I don't know how fast we were going, but it was fast and I went flying over the driver's head and um, luckily the honestly the driver I I feel so bad for him because he I feel like he did nothing wrong but Mm. I think he felt so bad about what happened because you know but he did the best he could but he literally I think honestly he saved my life because he as I flew over his head he grabbed my arm and pulled me back and thank god he did because my back hit the windscreen and I literally felt the windscreen crack against my back wow you could have flown straight through the windscreen could have been your head as well yeah exactly like honestly the the lack of seatbelts over there is like or just in Asia in general that that is the worst thing I think in the world like it's horrible um and yeah it was just horrible it was such a scare like it was just I would think we were just in shock to be honest all of us that's terrifying so within the yeah. span of a few weeks, you've got two crushes, <laughs> two crashes. You smashed a motorbike taxi driver over the head, and your friend had a a very close uh, encounter with some unsavory yeah. men. Wow, that yeah. is a, I can understand why lot, you're not a big fan of Cambodia. That's a lot going on. It was a lot to do with, and especially I think because I was basically by myself when everything was happening. So like, I think that's one of the very few times in my life where I've kind of been like. Wow, solo travel is like not the one sometimes. <laughs> Definitely. It's hard, especially, yeah, those moments where we've traveled like in off season and things like that. And when you're kind of the only backpacker, it can be cool sometimes. Yeah. But sometimes when you're going through those issues, you want somebody to just chat with and be like, what exactly. the hell is happening? And I think especially then, like when that crash happened, like nobody spoke English, nobody, like not even a word we're talking. And I didn't speak any Cambodian. So 
it was like really, really hard because um, you couldn't find out what was going on. There was one girl that was like really badly injured and Ooh. yeah, like I, I don't know what had happened to her, but it was like her hip. And honestly, I've never seen someone in so much pain. She didn't make a noise at all, but her face was just sheer pain. And I was like, it was horrible because I was like, there was just nobody to ask what was going to happen or when the ambulance was coming. And like, I was very grateful. I was fine. Like I smashed my leg up a bit and it was like really badly cut up and stuff. The thing I was most worried about was, um, so when I, when I came out of the van, I knew I wasn't like seriously injured or anything. I was like, I can move everything. And then this guy came along who I still, I wonder, I still sort of half wonder if I dreamt him because mm-hmm. he um, <laughs> he was this Australian guy who'd been motorbiking past and he came running over and he just happened to open the door on the side I was on and he literally like carried me out. Um, <laughs> but when he did Sounds like out, an Aussie. We like to, we like to be the heroes like, in the situation. He was such a hero. But he literally, like as he got me out of the van, um, he slipped in the mud. So we both went into the water. And that's the thing I was terrified about because my leg was like a massive open gash. And oh. I was like, I'm going to get infected. I'm going to die of infection in Cambodia. That is um, scary. The water was disgusting. It was like brown. Um, but yeah, bless his heart. He like carried me out of there and he was like sat there with me for ages, just talking to me and just like explaining what he'd seen. And he was like checking I was okay. And then... Um, he helped me with my bags out of the van and across the road we were all going over there was like a little house across the road that um, everybody was going over there to and then he left me there and I think because everything else was going on um, I didn't realize he'd left he'd completely gone and just carried on once he knew everyone was okay he was like right I'm just gonna carry on and like I never got to say thank you to him oh I was like, oh. maybe he's listening. Well, if he's out there, <laughs> if he's out there, he needs to get in contact with you. Yeah, <laughs> he was the wow. best. Wow. wow, well, that sounds like not the best uh, traveling endorsement for Cambodia, but don't let that deter you, folks, because there are plenty of places where shit can go wrong. <laughs> if you've been listening <laughs> to the podcast, there are ten- yeah. plenty of places. Uh, we want to thank you for sharing your stories today on the Not So Bon Voyage podcast. Uh, yeah. Go, everybody, go and check out Cambodia. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So thank you, Lucy. Why don't you pimp yourself out again? Tell the voyagers where they can come and find you and they can find all your glowing endorsements for Cambodia. Okay. So my blog is absolutelylucy.com and you can also find me on Instagram, absolutelylucy. And I'm on Facebook, absolutelylucy, and Twitter, absolutely underscore lucy so come say hi nice. <laughs> awesome thank and you so much for coming on yes thank thanks. you for having me it's been so fun to talk. it was great to catch up and to yeah. hear your stories as well yeah uh, thanks guys <laughs> thanks whoa what a story guys that, that was an awesome voyager chat. that was an awesome voyager chat we hope you enjoyed them it's been a few weeks since we've done a voyager chat so we we miss them yeah we're gonna do more we're gonna do we're more bringing them back yeah we're bringing it back don't worry we've got some good guests that we're talking to we've got some good stories lined up and uh yeah very good yeah and in the meantime go check us out on social media we're at not so bon voyage on all the major players hit us up slide into our dms Tell us some stories and just say hi. We love yeah. that. And if you have somebody who you think would be good for a Voyager chat, 
by all means recommend them. Tell them to get in contact with us because we would love to chat with them and tell their story and hear their story if it's a if it's a real good one. It, only if it's a good one, though. As we've said before, we don't want the stinkers. We don't want the stinkers <laughs> or the sleepers. We want the best stories. We want the best of the best on this podcast. And on that note, we're out of here, guys. Hope you have a good one. Stay safe on the road. And if you're not, make sure you tell us about it. Peace. Bye.